old school gaming, exercising indoors, and board game producer Duncan Malloy. This is Staying In. It's literally not not amazing. The reason my office, as you can see it, is just absolutely rammed full of shit uh, is because we had to take out the dishwasher and when then so obviously there was like bits of cabinets and stuff like that that we had to you know uh, take away and so i put the dishwasher we put the dishwasher in got them, well i, I don't i say i did it we got we hired a man um and um the man came in looked at me went <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, wired it all up and all that sort of thing um, I don't look at you and, and think handyman w- wired it all up you mean plumbed it in and plugged it in this is why I, yep. I will let a man do it um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so basically um, so let him do all that sort of stuff and then the the, the, the thing was going to be that my landlord was going to come and pick up all of these bits and pieces because he's like yeah put the dishwasher in no problem We're gonna, we'll, we'll put it away put it in storage that was like four months ago now and my office is just like a collection of shit now it's just a click so i've got the exercise i've got the bike i've got the the cabinets i've got all of the boxes that we have from you got from you've Amazon's. got the exercise bike that's all folded up yeah well it's because it's because there's all the all the cupboard stuff i would be using that exercise bike a little bit more and also dan perfect for you um i've been hitting the gym recently obviously as you can see i'm beach body ready now um <laughs> washerboard and yeah um and um, yeah, like I've been, I've been going to, I've taken a leaf out of your book, Dan. I was so impressed by all the little videos that you take, all the little videos you that like you two. take of yourself. Oh look, oh here's me doing an exercise. Look, oh, oh, oh I've, oh I've got to have a glass of water. <laughs> I've been inspired by you. Let me just clarify. I think I sent you one video like that after I'd walked 11 miles I sprayed water in my face and said never again that's the extent of it let's not pretend like I'm doing a daily blog of my running absolute show off Pete what's the cost of an exercise bike vis-a-vis the cost of an actual bike (laughs) 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 well um, there's um, yeah I mean the I mean the, the the monetary cost you're right Duncan is 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 much higher um but the cost of not having to go outside uh, is too great, basically. Um, what I do when I exercise, and this is this is on my exercise bike that's folded up and dusty, and also down at the gym, is I listen to like podcasts and um, audiobooks and stuff like that. And I've realised that if I if I actually did all that sort of stuff, if I went out on a on a on a bike, I think I would. I think I'd get bored. I get really bored of exercise. I, I just find it so tedious. It's just like, it's just like, yeah, all right. I'm pumping iron. I'm, I'm <laughs> firing the guns. <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. Um, and uh, and and so my brain is always just like it just like wanders off into different places. And I just I, I get so bored of it. So um so yeah so so I think again the the human cost there. I think I might die if I, if I you know, put my headphones in uh, and and have this all this you know lovely podcast and stuff while I'm exercising. Because because on an actual bike you have to do things like balance, maybe go up the odd maybe up the odd hill. Avoid children, yeah. Avoid children. <laughs> well, this, this, this is the thing, Doug. So, like, would you if you got? A, uh, I mean, do you do you cycle? Uh, I haven't cycled actually since I moved to the UK properly. Um, so I moved to the UK right. about three years ago. God, my so so old. so so like three. Okay, so three years ago, you were you were cycling around uh, and having a lovely time. Were you cycling on the roads or were you cycling on the paths? Because I don't know about you, 
but I'd want to cycle on the paths. I was cycling in cycle lanes predominantly, which I might break this conversation a little bit. Uh, Although it's fair to say if you're cycling in the cycle lanes in Dublin, um, the city council has decreed that cars are allowed to park in bike lanes for more than 50% (laughs) of the stretch of a bike lane. So if a pro tip for county councils out there, if a car is allowed to park in your bike lane, that's not a bike lane, that's a car park. (laughs) So yeah, I do see where you're coming from. I will recklessly leave one headphone ear in. It is, it's reckless. See, I kind of do live dangerously and I may not ride a bike, but I do kind of, I, I will walk or I've started trying to run at least part of the way home, but I have both of my headphones in. So I've naturally now always uh, run to the very edge of the path because I know bikes are going to come up behind me and I'm not going to hear them ringing their yeah. little bell. And anytime I have to maybe step around a bush or walk past someone, I always have to do the check behind me to make sure there's no one coming. You, you make a few mistakes like that and you quickly learn to always look behind you when you're moving on the path because that that gets dangerous did i ever tell you about the time <laughs> that i uh nearly got shot while running <laughs> <laughs> um i'd moved to exeter and like yeah. i wear glasses um but i wasn't comfortable because they were my only pair and like when I was a kid, when I was like slightly younger and I was living at home, my mum sat on my last pair um, and broke she did it twice. So I was always right. quite paranoid about my glasses and stuff. So mm. when I went running, I wouldn't wear my glasses. So everything basically looked like a kind of impressionist painting because I hadn't got contact <laughs> lenses because I couldn't afford them and stuff. I couldn't justify paying for them. So I went for a okay. run and I had, I'd only just moved to the area. So I didn't know I was looking for a running route. So I thought I'd run around to find a route. And basically, I accidentally ran out of the city um, and I ran into these woods. <laughs> right. No, can we pause that just for one second? How do you accidentally run out of a city? Well, I just carried on running and thought, ah, oh, there must be a turning off. Like, I was looking for, like, um, paths that, like, would take me, like, cross-country, right. like, into yeah. the fields and stuff, but I just yeah. kept following the like, road. Woolworths, Marks and Spencers, the gym, like... I like the idea of Chris accidentally kind of running out of the city gates and into, like, country yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. holy crap! What happened? Every, everything getting more and more and more sparse, apart from the Argus's and Sainsbury's, which are just getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The industrial parks. But anyway, like, so yeah, I ran into the woods and then I looked like through like my vision, I had to get quite close and there was like this police crime tape, <laughs> like, like connecting these trees and stuff. It was dotted around this kind of perimeter. And I realized yeah. it wasn't a crime scene. I'd, I'd ran into the center of a paintballing thing and like in the middle of like a paintballing fight I was the only one wasn't wearing goggles couldn't see had no gear or anything like that and I was literally caught in the crossfire and we got completely lost it started chucking it down with rain I ran out of the woods didn't know where I was um, met this kind of toothless old lady who just kind of cackled inanely at me um, I got I lived in this particular area in the city that sounded very similar to another area in the city and I got them mixed up. So she pointed me in the direction of where I thought I needed to go. It sent me about 10 or 15 miles off course. Um, I eventually made it home. To this day, I don't know where I went because I couldn't see any of it. I didn't have one of those nice fancy apps on my phone which told me where to map my route or anything like that. It was the least successful run of my life. Chris, are you sure you didn't just kind of like... Are you sure you didn't just kind of 
read a fairy tale and then fall asleep and then just had a nightmare about it or something like that because yeah. that's just bizarre let's see uh, dropping my breadcrumbs behind me yeah <laughs> and just yeah. for future reference anytime you start a sentence with have I ever told you the story of the answer is no <laughs> no <laughs> or tell it again yeah <laughs> It's very, it's very clever. Um, so talking about getting lost, uh, Chris, you've been playing The Witness, right? Yeah. Um, um, I've literally just been playing a bit of it now before we came on to record this show. Um, it's. Have any of you heard of this game, The Witness? It's basically. It's uh, by one of the guys who did game? Stanley Parable, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's got it's got smatterings of that. Basically, it's almost like The Prisoner. You, you, Is it Jonathan you Blow? It's Jonathan Blow, the guy who did Brave. Oh, I'm mixing it up with something else. Sorry. But you wake up on this island, and basically there's just a series of puzzles. Some of them are very intricate and are in front of you, and you just solve that, and it takes you on to the next level. Some are small cogs in larger puzzles which stretch over the entire island. And it's a bit like the Crystal Maze. You'll have a desert section. You will have this kind of lovely kind of arboretum. There'll be a quarry. Um, but, like, um, I'm currently playing at the moment... And it's the first game I've ever played that's actually genuinely given me motion sickness. Oh, really? I've mm. never had that. Yeah, of all the games in the world, like, you know, it's not a first-person shooter. It's not like, um, I'm not like, it's not a racer. It's not like a flight simulator. I don't know. I had to slow down the speed of the cursor moving around because in the game, you tur- I was turning my head so fast and running so fast around this island that actually with these bright, saturated colours... I couldn't understand why the game was making me feel quite sick every time I played it. Were you, were you wearing your glasses, Chris? No, I was sat about two inches away from the screen. So that probably, <laughs> no, that'd probably do it. Were you um, trying to give your, like, create your own version of virtual reality? So all your peripheral was taken up by the screen? It pretty much was. It was overwhelming. But it's an interesting game. It's an interesting game. Some of the puzzles are doing my nutting a bit. It literally doesn't hold your hand at all, this game. There's no tutorial. Somebody, somebody, um, because I've not played it, I've got it set on my um, PlayStation waiting to be played. Somebody I know made the comparison with a game called Myst. Right. And Riven and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys know Myst. M-Y-S-T. It was like an old... It was one of the um, big transition points of the old adventure games. It was the one that people's mams played as well as themselves, you know. It was like, what? your uncle who yeah, knows no, how I, to use Windows 98 has played Myst and wants yeah. you to know that video games are a thing. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't know anything about it, Duncan. Um, yeah, uh, the, um, Pete's like, I love that yeah, game. No, it's, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, but it, it was, wasn't it? It was like a, um, like a first-person exploration, mm. doesn't hold your hand. We- slightly weird, that was what Myst was. Like, So is 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 the witness, like, I, I, I'm it's trying quite to abstract. picture it. Is it like... Is it quite realistic looking? Or? Yeah, it's quite. There's a cell shaded kind of quality to it. It's, it's kind of smacks a bit of um, Firewatch, in that it, mm. it, it it's very similar to that in terms of its visuals. Obviously, the um, Firewatch is located in a very distinct landscape. This one mixes it up quite a bit. Um, as I said before, the different kind of um, environments. But um, it, I, it's a slow burn. I must admit, I don't, I don't play it for prolonged periods of time because the puzzles I find personally quite tricky. And I'm a person who likes puzzle games. I like my puzzles. Hmm. But I think because I don't see, really see a semblance to a narrative with this, it's the, it's the equivalent really for me having like a, a bumper book of like fifty Sudoku puzzles, and I can flick through it at any point. Cause there's no natural structure to this game. You can literally go back and forth across the island. There's no kind of sense of linearity to it. It's completely open world. 
So how does the difficulty progression work if it's totally open world? Do you just stumble um, into the really hard ones by accident or how does yeah, the, kind how of. Does it funnel you towards those? Some of the worlds kind of, they ease you in. They start off with basic variants of a particular kind of puzzle and they slowly get harder and harder and you can kind of work that through. But if you kind of like um, blunder in by accident, it gets quite difficult. There are some nuances in the fact that like, for whatever reason, you can't get behind a particular door until you've solved this puzzle. So it does control the difficulty level that way around. So there are some bits of the game I can't get to unless I solve a particular puzzle, say, for example. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna stick at it. It's going to be probably like what Dan does with his games, or pretty much every game. Yeah. Um, a labour of love. It'll, um, so I'll probably get it done in about three years, which is usually how much Dan spends on it. Yeah, that, that's how long I take. Uh, I like to take my time. So, yeah, so it's a slow burn. So it's nice to have in the background. I'll just put it on uh, when I need something that's a little bit more relaxed. So is, is there any is there any kind of narrative at all? Or is it just strictly just a, a hodge... Not I say a hodgepodge makes it sound bad, but kind of like a list it of does, puzzles. It, it does the kind of classic thing that, you know, that Bioshock kind of championed, which is you, you, you happen upon these little tape recordings and you play them. And they're kind of like philosophical musings kind of existential kind of conundrums and hypotheticals I um, discovered this bunker where it was incredible I was in this projection room and they showed a a documentary from the 70s by the BBC about Mm. you know the future and Mm. I just stood and watched that so there's a kind of almost it's almost like it's trying to echo Lost down which I know is a series that you hold very dearly there are echoes of Lost actually okay or trying to I mean I remember when it first kind of got announced and I they in the trailers they'd come out I just had no idea what it was and literally you telling me this is the first thing I've known about it other than I knew it was vaguely puzzle related but I just had no idea whatsoever what it was it seemed just like a it seemed like there was not really much to it. It looked like it was just a, a pretty game. But with, now that you yeah. mentioned that, it kind of that does sound like there's more there's more depth to it. Yeah, I think it's just getting to that depth, getting past the kind of the puzzles. Really, I think it's the key thing. Um, it's not a game I recommend you just buy and just have it solely the only thing you play. You you need something running alongside it, um, really, to kind of justify it. I suppose. So like a but palate cleanser quid. type game. It's kind of yeah, but it's thirty quid. It's not you know a palate cleanser that's thirty quid. I don't know. <sighs> I took a punt because loads of people were telling me it was a perfect game for me. So, you know, when mates say that to you, oh, it's like this game was made for you, Chris. You need to play this yeah. game. To be fair, a game all about walking around doing puzzles does sound like it was made for you. Definitely. Have you been, have you been um, playing anything else or is the, is the, is the Witness that's been taking up all your time? Um, I've just come back from Munich and when I was on the plane and stuff I've been playing those Room Escape games on mobile The Room has anyone played the Room series? I love the Room series oh They're yes great I've just done the second one I'm, I'm going to buy the third one at some point soon it's just because I mean it isn't like a new genre of gaming they've been around for like over a decade I used to play things like the Crimson Room on yeah. online and stuff like that it's a great series but this is just it's it's very beautiful it's very arresting imagery and there's just something quite pleasing pleasing and kind of harmonious in trying to kind of solve these kind of combinations and and I think the difficulty level is ranked really well you feel you don't feel like your hand has been held too much but at that same time you do feel stretched a bit mm-hmm. yeah um duncan i don't know, i don't know about you but one of the things i i found um, like really amazing about about the entire series but the thing that i think really grabbed me from cuz i played them in sequence like mm. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting about them is this idea of um, like 
the high, like the ultra high quality um, object. Do you know what yeah, I mean? No, I do. Like, I do. The, like, like the the when when you're playing the first one, the first one's obviously all around you know um, manipulating the screen and manipulating things with on a single box, and the idea is that the box continues to open, and it's you know mm. h- how on earth can this box you know exist? And later games would do different things with with wider spaces and so on. But like this idea of having. A, a a physical uh you know a physical object that you you interact with in a really tactile kind of way i really love that absolutely i mean for me the niche that the room really fills was um Chrissy, my other half, I will often recommend video games to her and she is not one to play video games, but she generally tends to really enjoy them. She just won't ever suggest them because it's just not her thing. But when we had the room on the go, it became the thing for us that was either in bed or sitting on the couch, replacing doing a crossword together passing the phone back and forth leaning over each other it it feels really tactile you're exactly right it's like having a toy and a puzzle at the same time it's um you know those relatively naff puzzle gift sets that are generally speaking an office christmas secret santa yeah I know this person is into puzzles but don't know what to buy them therefore I will buy them this £10 wooden thing that feels really nice but just you click it once and you solve it and it sits there but it's like uh, a digital implementation of one of those which just expands in ways something like that never could so it Mm. gives you a feeling of actually engaging with a physical object even though you're just dealing with digital implementation but it um, I'm going to have to stop using words like digital implementation. My God, I've been working in games for too long. <laughs> it, it feels like a really nice toy that's really fun to sit down with somebody else on the couch and play with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Particularly when it uses the accelerometer, for example, in your phone. So you're actually having to tilt mm. your phone to solve particular puzzles mm. as well. They, I think they only did that for the first one. Yeah, I think just they the first kind one. Of, they edged it out for number two and three. Probably because um, there's still phones that don't have an accelerometer, perhaps, yeah, on Android. Possibly. They find a really nice balance as well of in a in a really limited physical space or kind of space within the game they'll do a really really good job of letting you have two or three puzzles on the go without ever being confused as to which one you're working on at a given time yeah so they've really really clearly differentiated like this is this puzzle this is puzzle x this is puzzle y and And if you're getting stuck you just flick between them really really quickly and build and build and build absolutely and it and it, it never feels like it never feels like the developer wants to... Uh, it's fireproof. Fireproof never wants you to sit there and, and feel stupid. It always wants you to, to have, you know, roughly... You know, they, they clearly have an idea of you're going to get X number of hours of entertainment out of this thing, and that's it, and, and that's mm. okay, because we want to give you this really highly polished not scripted but very focused you will be able to solve this like literally anybody will be able to solve this if given enough time to just sit there and go oh okay well maybe I do need just one more little hint um yeah like it's it's a really it's a nice evolution of those of those um room escape games that that doesn't force you to try and like um 
crack the mind of the people who made it. Like, yes. And that's what always put me off with a lot of those adventure games. That's kind of what put me off with stuff like Mist and uh, uh, and why I've not booted up The Witness and stuff like that because it, it often feels a little bit like I'm sort of like CIA profiling the designer. Whereas like with, with The Room, it's like, it's like I know that Barry Mead wants me to like see all of this game by the end of it. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's really interesting. Completely. So it's um, like that, that kind of adventure game logic which comes from like text adventure games where you, you just have to come up with the right noun and you just have to yeah. keep going until you click it. Uh, kind of evolves into something like Monkey Island whereby the puzzle is just about I want you to think in this way even if that way doesn't make any sense. Whereas in something like The Room it's it feels like an adventure game but it is pure puzzle. You It's like a good mystery novel. Everything you mm. need to figure it out is presented in front of you in a kind of logical enough way and it's on you if something is a bit mm. obtuse rather than on the game which is just a really clever bit of design. Pete, whilst uh, Chris has been kind of playing on like the latest kind of uh, mobile devices, he's been playing The Witness, a brand new game. Um, what are the kind of really kind of fashionable, up to date, you know, brand new, mm-hmm. cutting edge games have you been playing? <laughs> now, Dan, I see what you've done there, uh, but I'm here to tell you that Batgammon. <laughs> is 2016 uh, game of the year basically backgammon backgammon Chris I've been playing backgammon why so I got um, <laughs> what do you mean why because it's one of- where, that, where, where, where did that come from it's the it's the, it's the greatest game of all time um, so um, so uh, Sam and I were like hey let's play video games and then not, neither of you dweebs wanted to hang out and play video games with us slash you weren't available we were on holiday we were both in other countries yeah Dweebs. So the um so so Sam and I were like, oh, I know. Let's play games together. And I was like, yeah, hooray. And then Sam said, oh, why don't we play that game that you sent me, Tristoy? Now, uh, and I was like, oh no, I don't really want to play Tristoy with him because I know that it's not very good. Um, so we started playing Tristoy in co-op, and it was complete and utter garbage. And I just really just could not get on with it at all, which is a shame because the setup for it's quite good. Anyway, um, but so we started playing that, and we were like, yeah, this isn't really. Castlevania plus an action game plus just not the production values isn't really what I want. So um, we were like, mm, but we've sat, we've decided to sit down and play games together. So I was like, look, Sam, I've got a copy of a spare code <laughs> for um, a Backgammon Blitz by Nomad Games, uh, and um, and. Uh, so and he was like, "Oh, okay. Well, yeah, let's let's play that then. That'll be really funny when uh, like Friday night, <laughs> like we'll play backgammon. That'll, that'll be that'll be fun. Almost like hate watching a TV series. We'd hate play a game <laughs> and be like, ha ha, backgammon. That's lame." Um, two hours later, we realised that backgammon is basically amazing. Um, and um, uh, so uh, so 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 that was happening. And I was like, "Oh man, backgammon, backgammon is really good." Um, and then I download. I started. To, I got. I got like a backgammon. Like I had. I dreamt about backgammon that night. I was like, oh, I need to. I need to. I need to play some more backgammon. So then, the, in the morning, I woke up and I downloaded a whole bunch of backgammon games. It turns out, not very many on mobile are very good, uh, with the exception of um, uh, a game called, funnily enough, Backgammon uh, by a company called Wildcard. Um, they make the I think so far out of all the backgammon games I've played they've made the best one anyway so I downloaded it onto my mobile telephone 
and was like, oh, this is all fun. And then, guys, I came down with the worst cold ever. Um, and I was basically <sighs> out for about four or five days, right? But the one thing I could do <laughs> was sit in bed and play backgammon on my mobile phone. And as I was feverishly playing this backgammon game by uh, by this Wildcard Studios, um, first of all, brilliant implementation of backgammon. Really, just really lovely. Like very, very high class. All the little, all the little things that you want in there. Like you select your nip, and then you get like a uh, then you get like a highlight as to where you can go with it. It's got doubling. It's got AC Ducey. It's got it's got like all that sort of stuff. Like oh, it's so good. Anyway, so I was playing that, and I, as I was playing it, I was realizing. Man, backgammon is basically a cross between chess and Magic the Gathering. Now, Pete, I want to trust you, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why? I can see chess, but why magic? What is it about that? Okay, so, 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 um, so there's there's chess in so much as there are strategies that you can employ, right? Like there is there is strategic there are strategic reasons as to why you would want to move your uh, why you'd want to move your um, playing piece, which are often they're called lots of different things. Um, Sam and I call them nips because a that is a thing that they can be called, and b it's funny because. Uh, <laughs> um, but like so we so um, there are strategic reasons as to when and where you would want to place your nips depending on the 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 the, the, the uh, score on the two dice that you roll that you get that determines how much movement you can do like from the very beginning like there are basically optimum moves that you can do for every single dice roll that's possible um there is like an opening strategy much like in chess like that you can follow um and it will give you certain options and certain flexibility when it comes to beating opponents so there is there's this chess like element of actual real genuine strategy of okay so am I gonna am I gonna hold back in my own quarter so backgammon's got four different quarters where you start in your home quarter well you start in your own half but um, you have a home quarter and the idea is to get into your opponent's home quarter and then off of the board um, uh, and so so one of the tactics for example is to stay in your own in your own half for as long as possible so like move things very very gradually forward move your nips very gradually forward um and essentially i like the fact that every time you say nips you smirk (laughs) (laughs) and 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 as that's happening you're basically guaranteeing that as your opponent comes towards you um with their pieces um they they are risking being caught out because essentially when you have um, two you know checkers let's say um, so I don't keep laughing about the word nips um, when you've got two checkers you can't be taken but when you have one checker on the board you can take your opponent's checker right the player who has had one of those pieces taken off has to put the piece back onto the uh, onto the board before they can do any other moves now that's all well and good but you can block your opponent from coming back onto the board, right? And this is where some of the magic stuff starts to come in. <laughs> because not only are you not only are you um, mitigating luck, that's a huge part of this. So I could could also just say like poker or something like that. One of these strategy-esque uh, card games, let's say, with, with a high element of luck in it. Um, not only are you mitigating your own risk by... Um, by making sensible strategies or figuring out, okay, well, if I get these numbers in the next row, like this is the strategy that I can take, or here are general things that I can uh, implement to make sure that I'm, my pieces are moving forward. 
uh, there's also this almost like um, like Magic's mana curve, right? Or Netrunner's um, uh, ice. Uh, Is uh, it ice? Yeah, ice. Like um, like this mana curve idea of. Um, you know, if you can get further up the mana curve than your opponent, then you can do more, you can play more cards more quickly. Well, if you can get pieces into your opponent's quarter quicker, then you can start blocking off the areas that your opponent has to use to get back into the game. There's so many different strategies, so much there that I'm absolutely, yeah, just... Oh. So the game you've been playing though is Backgammon Blitz. What does the Blitz element bring to it? So that yeah, there's there's two of them. So there's there's the uh, there's the uh, Backgammon by Wildcard. That's the mobile one that I've been playing. I've been playing many many hours of that. Sam and I have been playing uh, via uh, like turn by turn, like asynchronous play. We've been playing this Backgammon game um, on our mobile telephones. That's been a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I think so far that's the best one I've played. Um, and uh, certainly the best free one um, and then the 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 one that I think is like the highest caliber production and it really baffles me that it's not on iPad it's a real shame or iPhone or something like that is Backgammon Blitz and that's from Nomad and Blitz you're quite right there uh, Dan you've noticed that they've added an extra word there and what that essentially means is there's the ability to um, so the Blitz elements are like extras so you'll quite like this, Duncan, I think. What they do is they take the, the 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 set game of backgammon and then they start adding in these sort of extra rules where, so for example, you can freeze nips in place. Uh, <laughs> Um, and that will that will cost you an action. So you get up to three actions within each game. Um, you have unlimited, uh, you know, you can have unlimited games within a match, but um, three three of these actions per game. So this, yeah, you'll freeze uh, freeze one of these nips in place, or you can uh, swap nips. And uh, yeah, so there's these extra elements that they bring in. Um, and yeah, so I've been playing that on PC. That's also on bizarrely, it's on PC. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It's also on PS3 and Vita. And like I'm genuinely considering buying the Vita. Because <laughs> I just want to I want I want to sit there. I want to sit there with a touch screen playing Backgammon. Because it is a really good version of Backgammon. It's really lovely. Like super high detailed 3D, like unbelievable 3D detail on this back on these backgammon sets that you get in there. <laughs> oh. I just I just love the fact, Pete, that you'll have every possible type of backgammon apart from an actual physical board of backgammon. I know. <laughs> Do you know what's more 3D than a touchscreen, Pete? <laughs> and tactile. <laughs> but is that is that the room thing again? Is that is that each of these in in Bagham and Blitz, each of these board or each of these boards just feels like I could never afford a board like this. Like super lovely. Like this leather set. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> the leather set's amazing. Um, but yeah, and and so it turns out backgammon is is absolutely incredible. In fact, I've um. I've, I, I might, I might have bought a backgammon strategy guide. <laughs> oh my word! And we talk about Sam and his dice obsession. What is this? But it's, but it's like, um, I'm seeing it like it's, um, like you know, people buy chess guide books, right? Like people study chess strategies. Like, I've got to the point with backgammon now where I'm like, yeah, like I, I. I've, I've, I've got. So you want to be like the Gary Kasparov, Kasparov of the backgammon world? I want to. Yeah, I want to. I want to improve my. Yeah, I want to improve my backgammon game. And 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 I've got to a certain level now with a certain quality of like play. Like I can understand when people are certain making, uh, trying to make certain strategies. I can understand when people are totally going to go on a run and just like, basically just absolutely rush ahead. 
but like and when they're going to try and f like fall back a little bit i can i can mitigate some of those strategies but right now like i need a little bit more education to to take my backgammon game to the next level so so i mean i've never played backgammon I, oh, I you should mate. It's great. I'll send you a code for it. It's brilliant. Well, apparently, Dan, you haven't lived. Chris and Duncan, have, have either of you guys played backgammon or anything? Those those kind of games. I mean, I've, I remember playing checkers when I was younger. <laughs> I I played backgammon <laughs> once a long time ago, um, oh. and I I really want to be wrong because um, I have a bit of a charity shop board game obsession, and I have passed by so many really beautiful backgammon copies for like a fiver or less oh. um, but I, I don't oh, no. think it's very oh, no. good um, oh, no. um, but I hope I'm wrong and I'm based on Pete's recommendation I am going to give it another shout but it does seem to me like um, the things we would savage a more modern game for like the randomness of the roll of a dice or yeah. the yeah 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 turn denial or anything else are things that it falls prey to and if we're going yeah, to definitely. go with one of those classic games mm. uh, then you shouldn't play backgammon you guys should start playing cribbage instead cribbage is the best I love cribbage cribbage is very good I played that in a pub years ago I've not played cribbage <laughs> that, it's that something about cribbage it's a nice pub game my only memory of cribbage is my aunt uh, used to be the landlady of a pub we'd go and kind of see her and stay there and I remember you've got a group of old men in the corner of the pub I remember them just sitting there with their matchsticks playing cribbage yeah. and that's my sole memory of anybody ever playing cribbage <laughs> is those old men in the corner of a pub with their matchsticks is this like a is this like a magic versus hearthstone thing? Like, um, <laughs> two games yeah, enter, one know. game leaves. Yeah. <laughs> it might be. I mean it is yeah. it is the oh. competition of nice wooden components that aren't chess sets. Um, that are those kind yep, of classic yep. games. So Cribbage yep. I've only started playing about two months ago because my prospective father in law came across a set while we were in a pub down the road from here in Oxford when he was visiting and the phone battery on my phone had died at the time so we were like trying to puzzle together the rules from what little I had read about it as somebody who's kind of generally into game design and him as somebody who yeah, like yeah. played it as a merchant sailor at sea uh, 40 years ago um, when he was 16 going, I, th I think yeah I think this is probably yeah I'd be fine yeah no this is probably what <laughs> right. the rules are right um, yeah and subsequently I bought a set bought a rule book gave it to him um, last time I was home in Ireland but each player has a uh, four cards and they'll discard two of those cards to the middle of the table it has this weird combination of elements whereby it has this this board with the little pegs and which is the kind of iconic thing about cribbage that you might see it down the pub you see an old bunch of old men playing with like matchstick standing up or whatever else it is that's literally just a scoreboard but because the scoring is a little bit complex the reason every player has two pegs is because they'll keep one peg where it is and go okay well i got eight points now so they'll count eight points up from the existing peg and put a second peg in and then when they get the next set of points they'll just take out the first peg and count up from that one again so it's just a really clever little scoring aid for a scoring that could be quite fiddly right okay so what i'm trying to do out of the cards that i have there's some cards face up on the table like there would be in hold'em um and there is 
some cards in my hand and I'm trying to play the cards in my hand both I'll play a single card you'll play a single card I'll play another single card but uh, you can score by the order in which you play the cards you can score based on just what your hand is and how you can put your hand together in sets you score based on what the spare hand is in the middle of the table but the secret to cribbage that you won't clock unless you've played it quite a lot is that cribbage is actually a racing game so the first person to get to a score of 60 is the flat winner and right. you always score the person uh, whose turn it is second so I know if I if it's my turn I'm going to score my own hand and I'm going to score this bonus hand but if it's tight and you have a high enough score so long as you're first past the post it doesn't matter how good my set is so if I'm looking at my hand and I'm close and I have cards that I can use to sabotage the kind of bonus hand that the other player is going to have I have mm. a little bit of push your luck of going actually do I hang on to these and try and see if I can get enough just to get me to that finish line? Or do yeah. I try and play it safe and try and cripple you for another turn and hopefully get in the turn after that? Hmm. Duncan, I take it back. I don't think it's like... Uh, I don't think backgammon to, uh, to to cribbage is like Hearthstone is to magic. I think it's Hearthstone to Netrunner. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unnecessarily complex, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it, so- it sounds amazing, though. It does sound, it does sound like... Uh, I'm going to have to... Do you just have to have, like, a deck of cards and a matchbox, yeah? Is that all you need? Um, you can get, like, a little cribbage board for about a five or six quid but it's okay. like very few you'll get it on Amazon and you'll get overcharged for it but ba- basically what he wants to know is is there is there a, is there an iOS version of Cribbage yeah I'm gonna I'm, I'm downloading an iOS version is, is, there, is there Cribbage Blitz <laughs> Cribbage with your grandpa is a game I came across literally today which is a, a highly highly detailed uh avatar creation system where you can create an avatar of your own granddad and then play cribbage against that granddad avatar it's incredible uh, i have not played it it's about three quid but i can already wholeheartedly recommend it okay <laughs> yeah yeah sterling recommendation i'm gonna to- totally download that it sounds a bit like a Werther's original advert yeah <laughs> um but no but duncan duncan makes a really interesting point like because like i've recently um gone back to playing cards actually just a standard pack of cards just playing card games and I haven't done that yeah. for quite a while actually maybe when I'm travelling and stuff like when I used to go like travel and stay in hostels and stuff it's always good to have like a deck of cards of you just if you ever caught yeah. out like connecting flights and stuff you know even, even if you can't find someone to play with you can always have a game of solitaire or something mm. but um, I've recently been playing a game I used to play when I was younger which my family loved which is um, well it goes into different names it's like a hostel card game Shithead Ah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, we played. Well, apparently, because we looked at it on Wikipedia, there's there's other names for it. Karma, Karma's another name for it. But I like shithead, and I love like when you you go to like a hostel, or you play shithead with somebody. Everyone's got the slightly different variants on the rules. It's basically yeah. a cheaper version of Uno. I like the fact that uh, today we we've we've taken the geek culture and just taken it back decades and say you don't need any of this new fancy stuff. Just go back <laughs> with some counters, some cards, and some matches, and you've got three classic games that will while away all the hours of the day. I I I feel the need after all the backgammon cribbage and shithead stories to to to, to I don't know return to modern life, <laughs> let's say. 
and as, as we're talking about games, I mean, let's talk. We go back to a game we talked about before. And Duncan, you suggested mm-hmm. talking about um, Time Stories versus Pandemic Legacy. Now, I'm aware of Pandemic Legacy because I think we've talked very briefly about it before. I don't know what Time yeah, Stories is. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this kind of ties back into what we were saying earlier about Mist and arguably The Witness as well. Time Stories is an old school point and click adventure game as a board game. <laughs> Sorry, I could just say Pete's hmm. eyes like a meerkat just lit up when you when he heard old school that, points that sounds and great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds great. Um, so I went into it with extremely high expectations because people whose opinions I really, really trust, really, really love it. Um, the way that the game works is that you uh, all select a character that basic theme is quantum leap essentially you're all playing these time travelers who are going to jump back into the bodies of these characters in the past um try to figure out what the problem is in the past and if you don't do it in enough time you just go back and start again like a time loop so it's kind of groundhog day meets quantum leap theme and it means that each different expansion can be in a totally different setting because Uh, they're all totally unconnected but yeah in practice what that means is you spend some time going between different locations on the map and i mean the game is beautiful looking visually um because you'll you go into a room and you lay out five cards which are going to be a tableau of a single image across all five cards or six or seven or however many um and then you will choose which location in that room you want to go to based on what interesting thing you think is on the card and each player can go to a different place within the room but all players have to be in the same room at the same time um, then once you go to your location you'll kind of flip the card over and it'll give you some information it'll give you a, a challenge like a fight that you have to go through or a kind of conversation you have to blag or a kind of multiple choice thing or an item that you can keep and use somewhere else later on it does a really, really great job of taking what are traditional video game mechanics and putting them in a physical sense. But it's hmm. selling itself as a storytelling game and it does a really bad job of telling a story. <laughs> <laughs> and what I found particularly frustrating about it is the something I find particularly frustrating with video games, and I know I'm kind of alone here, but branching paths somebody will look at something right. like one of the the telltale adventure games whereby you're kind of choosing your actions and they'll say the fact that the the overarching plot ends in the same point no matter what your action is they will tout that as yeah. a flaw but for yeah. me if i spent 30 quid on a game hypothetically i don't want to have to play the game four times to get all of what the story is and for me, what mm. gives a better feeling of agency is not if the plot changes massively because of a decision that I've made, but what how I feel about the plot or what my relationship to the plot is changes because of the decision that I've made. Um, and what it also gives you is that somebody spends hours and hours and hours crafting really interesting bits of story, and I might never know they exist, despite me having paid mm. for them. So what time stories does which leans into for me the worst aspects of this is um it's 
core system is that you have to get through it as quickly as you can. You have to use up as few time units as you can. And we were just referring to them as minutes. So it will take five minutes to go over here. Um, and because of that, it's actively discouraging you from engaging in the story or the characters or the puzzles in any meaningful way because it's saying get this done and out of the way so you can move on to the next thing and win um whereas pandemic legacy which is a very very different game and doesn't pretend to be about storytelling it's much more a puzzle game with kind of like a light rpg campaign system bolted on um mm. that ultimately if I wanted to be cynical about it is like somebody took a bunch of mini expansions and strung them together with a story but because yeah. it's doing that thing of making you invested in the characters even though the story beats are the same no matter who plays them your relationship to those story beats are totally different and you're absolutely invested in what it is even though it's the lightest of light touch you can tell the story of Pandemic Legacy in a couple of paragraphs of text um, mm. but you care about it and mm. they care about it and you feel connected to it mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is I mean Pandemic Legacy is I don't know 50, 60 quid and I'm going to play it about at a minimum of 12 times so you play, it's tw over 12 months you play each month if you win one month you move on to the next one, if you fail you play it again if you fail again you move on no matter what so between 12 and 24 times you'll play it at about, I don't know, an hour a game, an hour and a half a game. Yeah. And I, I Sam, hate... Sam and I are currently in February at the moment where um, we've, not, we've, not, we've not failed yet, actually. Chrissy so. and I are in September and we've not failed yet. And rather than that making oh, us... Oh my word, that's impressive. Rather than that making us more confident, it's making us much more nervous because we now desperately <laughs> want to clean sweep. Um, but... I'm I'm definitely getting my value for money out of that and I hate to break like an art form down into commerce in that sense but I got a gift of Time Stories Time Stories is also about 40 quid we played it in right. one four hour session and it's done it's not replayable right mm. and yeah. it's just not good enough for that and I know I'm in the minority in that opinion but um, hmm. we found after we've finished it we just shuffled through the rest of the deck which is supposed to be kept secret just to see was there anything we missed and that told us two things one it told us what looked like the best puzzle in the game was something we didn't get to see and the yeah. other thing that it told us was that all of the story bits that we had been promised would be kind of hinted at or were hinted that there was a resolution and something was tied up I must have just missed it weren't tied up there was just thread started that mm. went nowhere or mm. characters that would appear out of nowhere that it felt like I should know who they are but it's never explained and mm. nothing is connected and that was immensely mm. frustrating I think I think that is the issue with games like that that have kind of the branching storylines I mean I've not, I've not really experienced that at all with board games I mean in certain video games I've had that and um, so for example a game like Heavy Rain whereas it does have branching storylines pretty much it ends the way they all kind of end roughly the same way. You'll obviously have uh, slight variances. Um, mm. I, with those games, I very rarely ever feel the need to get back to them because I, even if they do have many different endings, I always kind of feel that was my playthrough. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Mm. But yeah. fortunately, I think the games that I've played like that, they haven't felt like I've also missed out on a lot. I felt like I've got everything, pretty much everything the game is going to give me. 
and it just ended in a way that mine ended. So I don't, I don't think anything I've played before has had that kind of same feeling you had with Time Stories, where actually some of the best bits of the game just they just weren't accessible to you because the the game didn't put you in that direction. Most of the times I've played, or oh, it actively told me to avoid them. Yeah. So I mean, that's that seems like a really odd, yeah, game mechanic. Decision. Unless because unless you you it it wants you to go back and replay the game and then your problem is that you're making conscious efforts to go against what your gut naturally tells you because you're trying to say okay i'm going to go this way just because i want to see what's over there as opposed to i want to play the game the way i want to play the game so if i play replay heavy rain now i would do things differently even though that wouldn't be what my instinct told me to do because i wanted to see something else and so that's I, i i agree with you in that sense that i'm not someone who ever wants to replay games games for me and I think that's why I love the idea of Pandemic Legacy and kind of games like that, where you're given that one play, theoretically that one playthrough, and then it's done. Because the game should be able to stand on its own and give you an experience. I, I love it if yeah. the experiences are different for different people, but it should give you a full, complete experience. Which, by the sounds of it, Time Stories, I'm sure it does for some people, but it's not guaranteed for every single person. It sounds a bit like the plot to that Tom Cruise film, Edge of Tomorrow, where he basically dies about 100 times through it until he gets it right. He has to keep repeating the same thing until he gets the right combination and he ends up seeing... No, no, Chris, that's called Groundhog Day. (laughs) (laughs) That was was completely unnecessary, Pete. (laughs) But it is is Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day. But do you remember in Edge Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day when he goes back to do another thing, everything up to that point is a montage? Imagine if yeah. you were watching Groundhog Day, but it, it, you have to to get to the interesting bit in the day. You have to go through the entire day again. Oh, that would bore me. It's like going through. It's like it's like going through a combination lock and trying every possible number combination. Yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah. um, Duncan, have you played? Um, are you going to get Seafall? Because that's the next Legacy game, isn't it? It's coming. It, it's getting quite mixed reviews, but. Um. um... I I'm not going to shill any of my own games because that's in poor taste, but um, <laughs> but I think what I'm worried about with Seafall is that uh, both Pandemic Legacy and Risk Legacy are built on really really solid core games as is, and Risk Legacy felt like uh, a first draft of a really exciting new idea. And um, mm. pandemic legacy feels like a second draft, like a great execution of a great idea. And mm. I think Seafall is going to. My suspicion is based on the way that it's been reviewed so far, it's going to stumble, but it's necessary in some ways. That like Seafall feels like a learning exercise on the role to on the road to what these types of games will become right Um, it's a brand new design from the ground up and a lot of the i say this not having played it but a lot of the criticism that i've read of it is that it just takes way too long to get going and that actually the story elements of it are genuinely amazing but like to start getting to the interesting stuff, you have to play between five and six sessions of two hours or longer. Jeez. So it's like having a JRPG with a great story that kicks in after 15 hours of gameplay. 
So it's what you're saying is this is Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the sound <laughs> yeah, of things. Yeah. Now, again, I say this not having played it, and because it's my job, I might just buy a copy and spoil it for myself just to see how it yeah, works. It's, it's, re- it's yeah. research. It's research. <laughs> like this tax deductible. Like surely, it's literally. Tax <laughs> this is expenses. Um, um, <laughs> I think it's a game that's interesting and important as opposed to worth recommending maybe from the sound of things right right, right. okay so I'll wait for pandemic season 2 sorry then. Chris <laughs> <laughs> is it do, you, do we rec- I mean is this kind of obviously I'd, I'd probably say over the last few years and I'm basing this on the fact that I've only become interested in the past few years uh, in more board games they are kind of this resurgence in them is this where they're, they're all heading now or is this just still a niche this kind of legacy <laughs> idea I think it's going to become I, less of a niche, but no, it's not going to replace all games any more than RPGs replaced all other kinds of games. Or any like they're still making adventure games, despite the fact that they have action adventure games. Like it's not, it's not going to replace things, but I do think it's going to grow because it's really interesting. Now I said I was ill earlier. That's me having what I like to call um, a flucation. Right. Uh, that's where you get to stay at home, watch episodes of. Is that what your doctor told you? Yeah, there's, you get to have you get to watch episodes of Mobile Armored Strike Command and Teenage Mutant Ninja Hero Turtles, uh, and uh, uh, oh, do all that sort of stuff. But like Dan, Chris, you've actually had holidays, right? You've actually been sending pictures from beaches and also Chris from interesting places. <gasps> Dan, where have you been? I, w- I, w- I went to the, the sunny island of Mallorca, uh, to the to the lovely Ooh. town of Alcudia in in the north of the island. Uh, is it now? Which now now Dan? Which one's the shithole? Is it Mallorca or Menorca? Well, I think you're thinking you're probably maybe thinking about an area of Mallorca referred to. Well, I say referred to. It's its name. Magaluf. Yes, I've heard of Magaluf. There's a TV series about Magaluf, isn't there? Possibly. You I you think. would know Flucation Boy. It's a docu- it's a documentary on BBC Four, isn't it? Yeah. I But yeah. where I went was delightful and lovely. Okay. okay. But I was I was uh, on holiday in Mallorca, lying by the beach, lying by the pool, sunning myself up. Yeah. Uh, having a lovely time drinking on the beach, having some nice food. Uh, just oh, do you drink on the beach? Dan? I I have done. Aren't, aren't, aren't you worried about dehydration? <laughs> no, not 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 when, not when you're on an actual <laughs> vacation. Not your flucation nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, I, I sit there. I lie on the beach. I lie on one of the beds under a nice umbrella. In the, it, sometimes in a bit of a shade, listening to various podcasts and audio books. And I was listening uh, this holiday. I listened to the BBC radio adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere novel which was really good exactly good yeah starring uh, James McAvoy in the lead Natalie Dormer Benedict Cumberbatch and it was really really good really really enjoyable I've not listened to that actually that many radio plays um, audiobooks I've listened right. to quite a few of but radio plays I've not listened to that many of and it was just a really well produced uh, kind of really great cast of voice actors uh, mm. Who told like a really interesting story? Uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Neverwhere. Is anyone? Yeah, I've read. I have. I think two copies of the book somewhere in the house here, but I haven't actually read the book. I've read the comics adaptation that was done okay. maybe ten years ago. 
Yeah, there was. I, I, I'm aware of that. I remember there being a comic adaptation. There was a TV adaptation as well. Um, basically, the the the. I won't go into the whole detail of the plot, but the 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 crux of the idea behind the story is that below the streets of London, there is a uh, a mystical version of London called London Below, and what they one of the interesting things they do, interesting things they do is they use all the stations of London and they twist the names to create something in London Below. So, for example, the station of Knightsbridge becomes this kind of really dark, kind of mysterious bridge under underneath where you have to cross through the darkness and things are trying to grab you. So, so it's really kind of very 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 much in terms of the Neil Gaiman sense of storytelling and kind of both me and my wife were listening to it I'd split the headphones so we were both lying on the beach gentlemen. we both exactly actually no I bought I bought a splitter because I wanted to keep all the headphones for myself so I bought a splitter so we could both share uh, and yeah absolutely it was just really nice lying on the beach basically having someone tell me a story it was delightful that does sound really nice I also went on a holiday recently, but uh, I've realised I've kind of gotten to the edge slash I'm slightly overworked whereby I went with uh, Chrissy, my other half in her family. Um, and it was kind of the dream holiday because there was um, Chrissy's dad, who's in her 60, his 60s rather, and Chrissy's sister and her wife who have a brand new baby who's about six months old and Chrissy's brother who has a disability and tends to head to bed early as well. Um so it was perfect everybody went to bed at around half nine ten o'clock and then i just played cards for about 40 minutes with a glass of whiskey and then could also go to bed it was the dream you guys (laughs) oh my god that sounds so good what an idol so what you're describing dan is is perfect see see the issue i have with my holiday was though in uh, a place like mallorca people go out for dinner at half nine ten o'clock that's what that's when kind of you go out for dinner so that kind of ruins that so you're finishing dinner at around half 11 you want more drinks then and it just throws your whole system off it really does it's it's such a such a horrible situation and you're still are you you and holly still wearing the headphones dan just walking around can't obviously stray too far away from each other because you've got the splitter (laughs) absolutely i then afterwards because i enjoyed it so much i started listening to the uh the adaptation of lord of the rings as well oh i've got that on tape with ian holm yeah. And the great Michael Horden as Gandalf. Indeed. Chris, Chris, where did you go? I went to Munich, um, which is so a crazy did... rock and roll town. But I went yeah. on a stag do. Mine wasn't a very relaxed event. Ooh. It was fantastic, though. It was absolutely brilliant. But, like, okay. um, I am a cider drinker. I don't drink beer. I haven't drunk beer in about 10 years. And I realised when I went to Munich that cider is yeah. largely an abstract concept. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just the amount of times I said I can have a cider and I just said beer. I said, no, have you got any cider? Beer. And I just had to lump it. Um so I had about yeah. I, I drank more beer in one weekend than I have done in about a decade. Um out of Steins, these huge like litre kind of tankards is what you go for. I had the whole German experience. First night, walk in, um, served by a lady in like traditional German dress. There's a guy in Lederhosen part of an umpar band. You know, there's me with my schnitzel and my sausages. I had about 14 pretzels, each one about the size of my head. And, yeah. And it was really nice. My friend Rob, I went to school if he's getting married in October. And it was, a, it was a great way to hang out with some of my old schoolmates. And one of my mates, uh, uh, Chivers, who's a bit of a legend, um, right. he basically, the first night, he slept in a hedge. Um, right. 
and the last night he slept on a massive pile of bins um, outside the hotel. Uh, is he um, is he related to um, Oscar the Grouch? Or? <laughs> no, he's he's an extraordinary figure. Like um, like um, uh, he's just he just gets into ridiculous situations. Like he drank an enormous amount. By the time we, we landed, he met us at the airport. He'd already had two steins of beer. Um, he went out. He had another <laughs> six steins. Then he had two um, pitchers of Guinness. Obviously, um, on. On top of that, and he was absolutely fine. When in Germany, um, and he was fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. He's extraordinary. That would, that would kill me. And like, and, and and the looks we got from the locals when they saw him downing them, it was like we were the Avengers and we brought the Hulk. <laughs> and like, it's because it's just it's bottomless. It's extraordinary. I've never seen anything quite like no, that. No, no, no. It was like you were English and you were acting as English people act. No, when we were. Not we were very polite. Country. Actually, very polite. Like, um, we met some really cool people there. Munich, Munich's a really great, friendly city. But my highlight was on like the Sunday. We just discovered this like the Garden of Eden. It's called. Right. It's called the English Garden. This big, big park, and there's a shallow river that runs through it. And like it was, it was about thirty degrees. And like there are people like sunbathing um, along the side of this river. People playing in the water and stuff. And like three of us, we we just went for a swim in the river. And like it was fantastic. I just swam in this really nice shallow river, swimming under a bridge and stuff. It was amazing. It was just really idyllic. I mean, we did throw the. Um, the groom's kind of clothes in the river for him to have to go in and get because you know he's getting married to stag that kind of thing oh you scallywags yeah I mean obviously I am the epitome of lad culture you are <laughs> I think of lad culture and the first thing I think of is you I fit, it fitted like a hand to a glove um, you're all about the mad bants yeah but no uh, it's really, it's, I tell you what I can't I'm going to go back I really love Munich and I've actually did, yeah. acquired a real nice um, fondness for beer and I'm actually quite hmm. tempted by it now yeah yeah maybe don't drink beer beer over here because it's it's not what you think it is no yeah. <laughs> it is quite strange it's like actually it's like when I went to like I never really drank Guinness and I, it's like obviously I went to Ireland and I had a Guinness and it was the best Guinness I'd ever had obviously it was like when I went to um, Mallorca I drank loads of uh, Fanta lemon <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like that Dan. it's exactly the same as that <laughs> an Englishman abroad <laughs> oh sorry sorry Fanta limon <laughs> limon Fanta Arabiata. Um, oh, God. That was staying in with me, Daniel Frost, Chris Darby, Peter Willington, and our special guest, board game producer Duncan Malloy. Duncan has many irons in the fire, and among other things, he has been working on the new edition of the classic board game Escape from Colditz, which comes out in November, so be sure to check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Mixcloud, Acast, Spreaker, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to leave a review too, we'd be really grateful. It's a great way for other people to hear about our stuff. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, games, movies and more covered in this and all of our episodes. And come find us on Twitter on at stayinginpod. Thanks for listening.